Welcome back to Half Measures uh, episode three. Can't believe it, Paul. We've made we've made it to episode three. I feel like we're almost on the way to some sort of podcast award by now. Well, we've got so many fans, so many listeners across the globe. I hear globally, we've got listeners in America, Australia. That's both hemispheres. New Zealand. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're cooped up in a hospital with the coronavirus, what are you going to listen to? And for those people who are listening in America, don't, don't feel like we're sort of stalking you. It's just the, you know, the analytics. The right? analytics. Anyway, so yeah, welcome back to uh, episode three. So I'm Dan Whiting. I've got Paul Canal. We're the, we're the hosts of today's show. Today's show, this is, we're the only hosts. I know. It's not like there's new hosts. Next we're the, week. We're the same, Am I we're next week? We're the same people. Do you want to tell me about this before we go on? I there? might be letting you go. I'm not too sure. Okay. I'll tell you, it's That's a half fair. effort, half measure. Okay. So um, this week we are going to talk a little bit about The Mandalorian. We're going to talk a little bit about um, where Half Measures is is going as a as a as a podcast, as a as a product for mm-hmm. you to consume. Yeah. Um, and we'll just do a bit of a, a, a general what I've been watching, what I've been doing, what I've been doing with our time. So sit back, enjoy, and if you'd like to, you know, get involved, reach out to us with a question, you'd like to suggest a topic for us to talk about, feel free to, to reach out to us on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on, all, we're on all the channels. Easily found at Half Measures Podcast on Instagram, at Half Measures Pod on Twitter. Beautiful. So, so Paul, tell me, what, what has been, what's been happening in Paul Canal's life? What have you been watching? What have you been streaming? Well, I feel like there's a few shows that I'm just waiting to drop, shows like Better Call Saul, shows like Homeland. So we're kind of watching things that we're sort of tidying up on. So we've been watching right. a bit of Blacklist. Really got back into Blacklist season seven. Uh, it's been a really good season um, after some, some some minor sort of drops. In, in, is season seven the last season or is there one oh, more after know. that? I don't I, know. I, unknown, it's right? unknown, right? But it, it's, it's playing out pretty well. Uh, so that's been really good. Uh, James Spader's always good value. I've enjoyed that. Um, and the other show that we just finished watching was on Netflix was You. Mm. Um, season one and two season one and two did the whole lot an episode each night um, yeah it's kind of takes that whole stalking uh, intense character real far if you've, if, you've, if you've seen the show you'll know what I mean if you haven't uh, I recommend giving it a go it's uh, kind of like when someone is a little bit too intense mm. mm-hmm. uh, and you've seen it right? I have seen it it reminds me a lot of um, Dexter did you watch that yeah, TV show? yeah I watched a bit of Dexter um, where I actually um, you really start to empathise with the with the main character, both as a yeah, and you know that you shouldn't. Really. You, yeah, and, and you feel bad for doing it. But, but in their a, mind, they think they're good. That's right. That's right. And you can kind of see the arguments. I think it's a show that if you're mildly interested in, check it out because it's a show which I don't think the trailer does anything for it. It almost makes it look a little bit um, daytime television, or you know, look at yeah. it, But I think once you like, it doesn't have that vibe at all. So I think it's a, the trailer doesn't do it justice. It's okay. a really good watch. Um, yeah, in two good seasons. And what about you? Well, I've been watching a couple of different things. Um, I've just finished the new Dracula series on Netflix. Oh, yeah, from the writers of Sherlock Holmes. Writers of Sherlock Holmes. So only three episodes, but each episode is roughly 130 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly enjoyed it. It's, it's got some good twists. It's obviously Dracula's... Uh, a story that's been told um, many times over the years is based on Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, yeah, enjoyable. I think the a little bit up and down in terms of the the quality of the effects for me. Right. Um, okay. But still, not look. It's it's a fairly low commitment at three episodes. 
um, though they are long episodes, so you've just got to be ready to ready to watch that. Decent cast. Um, like, is it got a B grade feel? Does it feel like it's good? Um, well, it's 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 BBC, so oh. yeah, so you know, so. Um, you generally trust it's going to be good then. Yeah, yeah, no, no standout names, but it's like enjoyable enough to watch. Nice. Um, I have also been watching. Actually, went a little bit old school last night and watched a. I watched an old movie called Hot Rod. So Hot Rod uh, with Andy Samberg is a movie that came out in in two thousand and seven. Right. But it's one of those real. Well, it's it's the type of movie you either love this type of movie or you hate this type of movie. It's in like the the Step Brothers Anchorman nice type type vibe where. Hot Rod's basically about a... Popcorn comedy. Popcorn comedy, a young Andy Samberg wanting to be a, a, a stunt driver. And just the, the adventures he goes on with you know, supporting actors like Danny McBride and the, the whole crew from the Lonely Island. Just I will watch anything with Danny McBride. Laugh a minute. I definitely reckon, you know, if you're looking for just a, an easy watch, could be the one for you. Okay, might check that out. But um, enough of what we've been watching recently. So last last time we spoke, we talked. We went into a bit of a deep dive into the Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Um, and today we're actually going to do a, a, a deep dive again, but this time into the Mandalorian. Yeah, keeping it in the Star Wars world. That's right. It's a, we're both big Star Wars fans. And look, these are two big Star Wars products that came out at a similar time, and both bear, you know, both both are worthy of a review, right? Mm, mm. So obviously the um, the Mandalorian is on Disney Plus. Mm. There are eight episodes. That's right, season well, one. Season one. Um, season two has just been announced, and we'll we'll get into a little bit more of our, our season two predictions as we go on. Mm-hmm. But what do we what do we think of the Mandalorian, Paul? I know we're often in sync with our views. Yeah, well, I mean, for those keen keen viewers who've already listened to episode one, will have known that made both of our top ten lists That's for right. twenty nineteen. So we obviously both both rate it. Um, I think it's a significant milestone moment for Star Wars. It's, uh, you know, we, we've got the, the Star Wars saga films, the nine movies, plus Rogue One, plus Solo. Um, but beyond that, um, everything else that exists in the Star Wars world, is animated series, books, games, and whilst you and I could probably talk about those for hours, it's not, it's not something that everyone else is going to dive into or is going to see as quite as being as accessible. But a live-action TV series, this is something that people who, you know, maybe they haven't even watched the movies can quite easily jump into and, you know, introduce a new, you know, new, new fans to the show. But also just even the people that we already talked Star Wars with, I feel like I can have conversations with them at a at a more base level than I can with people who haven't seen the character. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the a live action Star Wars TV series has been talked about for years, mm. and it's always kind of been both a, a fantasy to be like, yes, they're, they're finally going to do it, and to actually see it come to life is is kind of amazing. And I always wondered. Um, as a kid, how are they going to do a TV series? Like it's just yeah. so big, and it's there's so many effects. And I think what the the Mandalorian has proven is that it, it can be delivered in an episodic um, nature. And more importantly, it, I think people who like the Mandalorian are those original Star Wars trilogy fans because it has that vibe to it. It does. Um, a New Hope type vibe. That's, right? that's that's right, and it's it really has the. Um, I think the effects, the way it's delivered, the um, the light touch comedy moments on mm. there, it, you know, it really I think speaks to those original Star Wars fans. But it's probably also good enough for um, a younger generation as well. Oh yeah, fully, and it, it's you know it's got that appeal. It's the production values are so high, 
you know, people will be able to you know, walk away from each episode feeling like they've, they've seen something at cinema grade. Mm, that's it, right. And, um, yeah, so should we, should we jump into some of the episodes? And yeah, let's do that. Pick out some of our highlights. And uh, I think the overall feel for me is this Western approach wasn't something I was sure would appeal to a wider audience. I knew I was going to love it. I love Westerns. Um, but the reaction seems to have been very, very positive. You grew up in the Wild West, didn't you? I, I did, west, mm. west, of, uh, yeah, west of England. Um, it's, a, you know, it's one of those shows where I think when I first heard The Mandalorian, I've got to be honest, even as a Star Wars fan, it didn't necessarily excite me. I was mm. kind of like, I'm, I'm really excited about a live-action TV series, but am I that into The Mandalorian? I don't know. Do I, you know, the character of Boba Fett That's right. is great. Uh, we've seen it in Clone Wars and, and Rebels, the animated series. But I thought, I don't know, is it going to work? But it sure works. And I think just the simplicity of the story um, as, as a first season over eight episodes is what really worked well for me. Um, right from the start, the feel of episode one, when he walks into the bar... There's no dialogue um, for ages, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's talking to a guy and saying, "I can, I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold," and it, it really sets the tone. And I think that's what's um, really interesting and and great about the, the Mandalorian is, is it's going, um, it, it's within the Star Wars universe, but not necessarily so strongly connected that we're, you know, which is what we were talking about last mm. in the last episode. It's not so heavily caught up in um, the Skywalker legacy that we're, we're within the realm that we all understand. We know it's set um, after Return of the Jedi. Yep. Um, but it's it's got enough new hooks to kind of um, bring people in. And I think one of my things which I like, really enjoyed about it is I felt like episode... Oh, sorry, season one was... Uh, you know how you get like a sampler pack of biscuits? I felt like they were in a Star Wars way, serving us up a bunch of different, like, they had kind of a, there's an overall story. They've yep. got that Western kind of a vibe to it, which yep. I definitely agree with you, is, it works well for The Mandalorian. And they've brought in a bunch of different directors. They've kind of tried some different things in different episodes. That's right. Both, I think, tonally and where they're kind of heading with the story. And... I think what works for me, even though, even budget wise, because I think you can kind of see mm. the differences of where they maybe could have done with more budget or whatever. I think episode one and episode eight of um, like they booking this so beautifully for me, and yeah. I think as a as a package, it's really good. And they've basically created a season with all these hooks in, almost kind of like or threads that they can pull in future seasons, and I think, and that's the most exciting thing. But I guess starting with starting with episode one. Really great way to introduce the character. Really great way to introduce the the lore of Manda Mandalore. The lore of Mandalore sounds a bit funny. Um, and and what it what it means to be a Mandalorian, which which is awesome. I really love that um, that ability that the TV show has to to take the time uh, that the movies can't do. So what you've just described there, um, and jumping into the lore of it is 
it's something you just don't have the ability to do in a movie. You, That's right. You, just, you know, so many, so many great deleted scenes from The Force Awakens, from The, the, the Last Jedi, and probably to come from The Rise of Skywalker. So many deleted scenes, and I just think, chuck them all in. You know, I'll have a, a really long version, like, you know, whenever Peter Jackson releases his. That's right, that's you know, right. Why can't we get that with, with the Star Wars? And so what this TV show gives us is the ability to take the time over things that aren't necessarily big to the plot or even going to progress a story. But, like, in episode two, for example, that whole scene with the sand crawler. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. And the Jawas. I mean... Fantastic. And I think that's the thing, right? And I think this is where you're allowing, um, I think, Star Wars fans, both new and old, to really nerd out and be like, oh, my God, that's what the inside of a sand crawler really looks like. Yep. And that's what it's like for a, a full-size human to kind of be inside this... Um, this giant uh, vehicle yeah. that, that's kind of actually built around Jawas. That's right, and actually get a real sense of what it's like to be in the driving seat and when he's there banging his head. Oh, definitely. And when they're talking, uh, there's some Jawas on the roof talking to the driver and you can hear, you can see him sort of looking up at that sort of like the old, what do you call those those horns, like off of an old record player, is how he's listening into the conversation. I love the feel of that and just the time they take. Um, I think one of the things we need to get into sort of as we move through all the episodes straight away and I don't know what we're going to call him the whole world is calling him Baby Yoda the child the child we'll go with the child okay um, what an absolute stroke of genius um, this this whole eight episodes now has had the child at the centre of it and who could have ever seen that coming you know we, I, I just said oh, I'm not sure if I'm interested in a show about a Mandalorian I cannot imagine this show without the child being in it now I think too when you know the really interesting thing about the the child, the baby Yoda is that they've you know and I know there's been lots of sort of debate when they first sort of brought in the the character which didn't come out till the show yet about whether they were going to go CGI whether they were going to go for a puppet yeah um, but they've created a character which you really connect with and feel for and you know I've heard it said by lots of people they could watch but um baby yoda do baby yoda things all yep. day because yep. he's just like he's so adorable there's so many questions there's so many merchandising uh, opportunities so many and, and you know what a what a bold move of disney to be like we're not going to merchandise baby yoda because we don't want to spoil this part of the plot yeah. missing out on all of that 2019 christmas market incredible, yeah. incredible. absolutely amazing right um, and right in that, in that second episode, um, the first time we see the, you know, Baby Yoda, the child, using the Force mm. um, to stop the attack of that, I don't know, creature, um, a really fantastic moment. And straight away, you know, sort of wondering, oh, you know, this, this child is 50 years old. That's right. Can it already use the Force? We don't mm. know. It, mm. looks, it looks like a baby, right? And suddenly there it is using the... The Force, great moment. And I, I think, you know, this is the, again, just um, they've created a, a hook for Star Wars fans to dig into all these potential theories. And I think, you know, again, this is what we talked about in episode two. What Star Wars fans love the most is they love kind of going deep on, like, where did where did the child come from? Yep. Is he a clone? Is, right. he, is he somehow linked to the original Yoda? Like, how does this all connect together? And we love having conversations about all of this sort of stuff. That's right. And I think the, the, the closest I came to feeling I had a favourite episode was probably in that third episode um, where and it was also the moment where I knew because I was, I was I loved the series but it was the moment when I knew okay I really loved this series was when he was about to take off he, he you know he delivered the, the asset he got his reward a whole bunch of rewards he's got mm. some whole new shiny armour and he's about to take off and he just fixes the the 
the knob on the end of that That's lever, right. and mm. he kind of, you know, even without his facial expressions through that mask, you know what's going on in his mind. I'm screaming at the TV. You got to go back. You got to go back. And then he goes back, and you know, we see him take out those stormtroopers, and then and find the child being sort of with the the original. Uh, what do you call it, like the, the probe that Vader uses that's again, right, with Leia right. from episode four? And, and I think that that's the brilliance of this TV show, right? So you've got this such great connection between one character who we can't see their face and another character, which is a puppet. And yeah. and we still deeply care about it. And I think it kind of speaks to how well they're able to convey emotion through a, a Mandalorian helmet mm. um, and just between the two characters. And because ultimately the Mandalorian is a... He is kind of a, a Clint Eastwood, I'm a pretty silent guy, I That's don't have right. much to say. Um, oh yeah, it's the so. man with no name, it's the, that whole vibe of Clint. And, um, and then of course, Baby Yoda, it's all about the ears and, right. the, and the eyes. That's right. And, and the combination of those two and a couple of uh, cute noises along the way. And I, look, I think you know the, the other thing we've got to thank the Mandalorian for, just in general, is the abundance of Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda memes. Um, <laughs> There's just so many. It's taken over, right? Uh, I love seeing the the arsenal that Mando has mm-hmm. within, you know, all the different types of ways he's taking out the stormtroopers. Even in that third episode, he's got the electrocution fork yeah, that's on right. the end of the, whatever that weapon is. He get he gets the uh, the flamethrower out. That's right. And then he takes out a bunch of four of them with those. What are they? The whistling. The whistling darts. The whistling, yeah, yeah. I know whatever what you mean, the, I can't yep. what they're called. Yep. Um, and then and then of course the, the other Mandalorians come in. When he's when he's stuck at the end, in the battle, uh, and they come in on their jetpacks, just like in the Clone Wars. And so this is, and this is, I think, the stroke of brilliance between um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni is, I, they've treated the Mandalorian like you would treat a video game character. Where so you've got a character who's already kind of like already skilled, already powerful, and actually we're going to show you some of their abilities, we're going to like let them upskill, we're going to yep. give them new armour, we're going to give them new weapons, and each ep- each episode is getting more and more powerful, and then he gets to use those those That's weapons right. in a certain way, and it's it, it's so rewarding to watch. And I think, like, sitting down and, and re-watching The Mandalorian episodes 1 to 8, like, what a, what a great package. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love watching it week by week so that I had time to digest each That's episode because right. yeah. otherwise yeah. I would have just sat and watched all eight. Look, I think Paul, when you run a company like Half half Measures, you have to be on top of the game. So obviously we watch it as it drops. But That's right. You know. Some people may not actually. That, that's right. Some of us watch it more than once. Oh, that's right. That, that would... It's our job, you know, not, not to take a half measure. This is the way. This is the way. Uh, on the subject of this is the way, um, you know, some, some, great, uh, some great lines coming out of the show uh, the way that the Mandalorians sort of basically nod at each other, say this is the way, and mm. it's like okay, this is that was fantastic. Uh, the other line that sort of stood out for me was uh, Nick Nolte's uh, character, the Agnor that he played, um, just saying whatever he wants to say, and then I've spoken. Mm. Like mm. I feel like I need to start bringing that into my life, just ending sentences by saying I've spoken. That is that. Your wife's definitely going to appreciate it. So. I'm not sure I'm going to try that at home. You'll be frozen uh, in carbonite? Yeah. Uh, look, so you, you, you jumped into where I wanted to go with the carbonite. So, uh, again, in that first episode when he, he's picked up the, his first bounty and he, he ventures downstairs into, into Mando's uh, ship, the, the Razor Crests, trying to find some way of getting away from Mando, and he sees the other three in, in carbonite. Um, what a great way to just basically 
straight away show not only is he a bounty hunter, he's bringing in heaps of bounties and, you know, all the noises and feels from Empire Strikes Back from the Carbonite. Definitely. Fantastic. Right from, that was in, inside <coughs> the first ten minutes of the first episode. Absolutely brilliant. I also love how when he delivers a bounty and he gets paid, he's like a real millennial in the sense that... Um, that's probably a little bit offensive, but he like gets paid, and then he's like, "I'm going to instantly out to like spend that money on my new armor." Like, there's yeah. there's, there's so many great memes about just like he's got like a zero bank balance because he's just constantly buying new armor, paycheck to paycheck. This is how I operate. Every time I get paid, I go out and buy more comics, and I'm like, okay, makes sense. in a fortnight's time, I'll buy yeah. another one. Um, just on the subject of the cabinet as well, a little bit of trivia as we go throughout this podcast. Um, if you look closely at the the other three cabinet bounties that are sitting there. One of them is George Lucas. Is it really? That's right, yeah. And I thought that was a oh, wow. a really nice touch um, because people were trying to sort of like, oh, I wonder what species that is. But uh, yeah, apparently, um, if I'm informed correctly. That's, that's awesome. I'm, great. George that's Lucas, great. really nice run. Mm. Um, I really liked uh, how when we went down to, um, to Tatooine mm-hmm. on that episode where he's being chased by a ship and then suddenly he has to go down for repairs... As soon as we, you hear the, the radio voice say, um, Mos Eisley, space control, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We are about to spend the next half an hour on, on Tatooine and we're going to Mos Eisley. That's right. Anything can happen. I don't care. We're going to Mos Eisley. And then when he gets there, you're like, that looks familiar, that bar he's walking into. <clears throat> Surely it's not. And it is. I mean, imagine being in the writer's room saying, you know, oh, should we go to Tatooine? Should we go to Mos Eisley? And just everyone just nodding and just saying... This is what people want. And I think this is what's really interesting about the... When, when you think about, say, the, the Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi and, like, and The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian obviously has a, a much smaller budget than some of those big movies. But so many more things are actually kind of given a weird pass in The Mandalorian. And I think... Um, it, and I think that episode where they go to Tatooine and there's the lady, the mechanic lady there who yeah. ends up looking after the child... I feel like there's lots of moments throughout the entire Mandalorian where there's the acting isn't quite as good as it needs to be, um, but it doesn't matter because it's the Mandalorian and it's a, it's a live-action Star Wars and we're all kind of collectively, it's okay. Giving it a pass. But if it's a movie, yeah, we'll, we'll write. We'll get wrecked. We'll write at dawn. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I, no, I fully agree with you. I, I, I don't think throughout the series that some of the casting was quite how I would have done it. Uh, some of it didn't feel quite right. Some of it didn't work for me because um, I just recognised some people from other places and I could not take them away from that. So um, I think, is it what's his name, Burr from Family Guy? Uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. I, I could not cope with him in that episode when they're um, you know, on the ship together with the, the four of them. The voice was just... It was too much for you? It, it was just family guy. I, I F, F is for family, sorry. F yeah, is F is for family, family. yeah. yeah. And, and, like, so, and I think this is what, you know, when I mentioned earlier about, I think about the whole season one of The Mandalorian as a bit of a pick and mix. Because there's, there's quite, a th- quite a few different story threads going on. Like there's... You know, there's his old crew that he used to hang out with yes. who are now, you know, um, sort of spread around the place. There's um, old kind of lovers. There's his backstory. There's where's Yoda coming from. Yep. Um, there's these different planets which he's visiting and leaving. Yep. Yep. Um, there's the work he's doing for the Empire. And it's kind of these um, mysterious people um, in the episode in um, Tatooine, like walking up 
to look at the body. Like, like there's a whole bunch of kind of unanswered questions, but again, they're not so big that it's, it's, you know, kind of like, what is the smoke monster? They're just interesting things which they can sort of, like, play with in in season two, and I think what would be really interesting for season two for me, which I'm probably jumping a little bit ahead, is we did a whole bunch of... Um, if you've heard the saying, like, you know, with shows like Supernatural or um, House or, like, you know, it might be Monster of the Week or, yeah. you know, Medical Emergency yeah, of the Week. Yeah, yeah. And with The Mandalorian, um, obviously on different shows, there's different sort of bounties and things. But it would be good to see season two actually get a bit more focused on some of these. Because I felt like they, they had a lot of things going on yeah. for an eight-episode show. Yeah, mm. you're right. And um, I think having a more, um, the, the story act being a little bit, more solid and more linear rather than these side stories or, or standalone um, episode of the week type ventures. Mm, mm. You, you know, on the subject of the cast, though, I think the main casting has been done superbly. I think Pedro Pascal is fantastic. The voice is great. And we've seen his face once. That's right. Uh, which was cleverly done. Um, Carl Weathers as Grief Kaga um, seems to really fit that role well. Um, is it Werner Herzog? That's right. Is yep. the client? Fantastic. And Nick Nolte, again, the voice um, as, as the Agno. And Gina Carano, who I haven't seen since uh, some film she did with Michael Douglas and Antonio Banderas. Um, she's like an ex-UFC or... Oh, really? Or okay. some, yeah, right, but okay. she, she seems pretty, pretty decent in her role too. Um, Let's not forget um, IG-11. Taika. Um, Taika Waititi. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed his... And of course, he's directed uh, as well. Yeah, well, I think so. So on that note, so, so what do you think was your, your favourite episode of the? I, I still think episode three, the uh, the sin when he makes the decision to break against the guild code and go back and rescue the child because, mm. you know, it, it, there's that moment where he's like he's not just in it for the money. You know, he has a heart within that suit somewhere, and uh, you know, I would, I could easily point at episode eight as well because it's the finale and I think we, we need to spend some time on the finale but yeah I, th- I still think episode three was the the moment for me where I was really turned on the show and yeah probably my standout mm. how about you um yeah I do I, I I agree with you I think um there's a lot of I, I think great character building and character setting that happened in, in episode three um I, I think my overall favorite um both for directing storytelling um, and focus would, would definitely be episode eight, purely mm. because I I enjoyed some of the the other elements that kind of brought into it, particularly around just seeing the the Taika Waititi humor with the um, scout troopers and just you know just the little um, nods where they were trying to shoot the rock and they they couldn't oh, shoot it. That is fantastic and writing. It's so great, so great. I think the the one bit that doesn't sit well with me um, in episode eight was the scout troopers punching the child. I, yeah. I didn't like it. Didn't like that it at was, all. That was too much, right? It was too far for me. You can't empathise with those guys now. Not the puppet. No, no, don't touch the puppet. Um, the Stormtrooper is quite in- incredible, actually, because I think, and I'm going to go off topic briefly, but The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker trilogy with the with the first order Stormtroopers, as cool as those uniforms, that there's something about that classic, the OG Stormtrooper, right? And I agree. And, and the history that comes with it and the voice... Uh, I think it really does. There's something about those stormtroopers that really just you can just connect with, 
and having them in the show and having them all, you know, covered in sand and grease because they're no longer working for the Empire. And that's what's also, I think, you know, with the overall um, prop and set design of the whole entire um, season is just incredible, <clears throat> even to the point when, you know, and these were heavily sort of shown in the, the trailers, but the, the Stormtrooper helmets on pikes. Yeah. Like, I just loved all of those. And, and when you do see a, a Stormtrooper, there's often not many of them. Their arm is very sort of beaten down. Um, and I, again, just for the fans of this part, I like this as a... Um, this is you know, the, the end of the Empire. And, and we're, we're sort of witnessing the... The, the first order that's right. like start to emerge out of this well that's right because we're this 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 show is you know like five years after the return of jedi so you know those those stormtroopers who are still alive are kind of wandering around going well what am i going to do for a living yeah, all right. of a sudden um on the subject of stormtroopers and the fans um that scene uh towards the end of the show where there's like heaps of stormtroopers mm. waiting mm. waiting for him they didn't have enough costumes and so dave filoni um actually got the 501st Legion fan club, you're already aware of this. I'm already aware. I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm, 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 I'm wanted to be the trivia. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what's so awesome about like the the five five first um, as a um, club charity organisation is because they do have um, you know members with movie accurate like high quality outfits Real quality, that actually yeah. they can just call in. We need more stormtroopers, and you know because they've even this is again taking us down a bit of a wormhole, but often like at the opening of um, like the Star Wars part of Disneyland or that they often bring in the mm-hmm. 501st because they actually have all the screen accurate um, gear, which yeah. is yeah, pretty cool. Um, some other moments that stood out for me that, again, you talked about comedy at the start, um, like when um, when Mando is, is, for whatever reason, arm wrestling with, with Cara Dune. That's right. Um, Yoda, baby Yoda, the, the child, looks over and is like, no, 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 and starts force choking Kara. I mean, that was a you know a hilarious moment. It also just shows how a fifty-year-old baby Yoda child does not know that maybe that's not appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was a, a great moment. Um, also in that episode, I loved how uh, IG Eleven came back mm-hmm. and Nick Nolte's character, the Agnot, I can't remember the guy's name was restoring it and again going back to what i said about having the time to tell a story like there's no way in a movie we would have time to go in down anything like that path um but you know we were able to see the various uh, iterations that that character went through in terms of trying to serve something you know crushing it dropping it from the inappropriate height i loved all of that sort of stuff i actually really like to just and this is again looking across the season with uh the mandalorian is that he actually has quite a few weaknesses like like he's good like he's a good bounty hunter and he's obviously sort of top of his game but he gets hurt he yep. re- he regularly isn't sort of looking like he's going to win that's and, right you know there's there's sort of almost a uh, a weakness to the character that actually makes you appreciate more of what he's trying to do and, and how how he gets there i think it's really important to show that he's not superhuman and always going to come out the winner um, Look, I'm going to try and bring this up every episode of Half Measures, but it's not Vin Diesel, you know, he's not a superhero. If I can bring in a Fast and the Furious... I um, love it when you bring in Fast and the Furious, especially when we're talking Star Wars. I, I appreciate that. Um, back to the cantina, more mm-hmm. sizely. Uh, did you spot the, uh, the, the the red droid, R5 droid? I didn't spot it. Well, that droid, if you look closely, and I did, uh, and a lot of other fans did, looks to be the original red R5 droid really? from A New Hope, who, of course, had the faulty motivator. Mm-hmm. 
Now, fans who've read certain books will know that that was a deliberate ploy that that droid made um, so that uh, R2-D2 would be chosen because R2-D2 had spoken to R5 saying, hey, look, I've got the plans for the Death Star. I really need to, to get out of here. And so R5 did the motivator. That's but, incredible. I mean, this is the sort of detail I can go into on books and people, people listening are probably fast-forwarding now, but what I'm trying to say is that droid was never, like, It scrapped. wasn't just a, ra- a random event. No, and it was never going to be scrapped, um, and so it looks as if that droid has, has indeed survived and is still knocking wow. about on Tatooine. Um, the bartender droid at Mos Eisley, we've seen one of those yeah, before. Yeah, that's right, yep. Um, yeah, and uh, there was a few other references throughout um, that episode where... They made a comment saying, "Oh, you know this. This I can't believe that ship can fly. It looks like a a Canto bite slot machine." Yeah, right. I love little things that just tie together the the sequel series or other things like when we see Mando's being taken as a child and we see the battle, the super battle mm-hmm. droid from the, the prequel trilogy. Um, there's a few things there that you know really tie it all together quite nicely. I also really enjoyed um, each, and I know that what was the episode where all of the um, all of the Mandalorians appear at the end and help him with us at episode three. Three, three, yeah. right, yeah. What, like, such a, a great, like, cheering moment That's where right. all of a sudden, like, they, they, there's more than one, and as you say, they've got all the, they've got all the features. They've got the backpacks, they've got the flamethrowers, they've got rocket launchers. That's it, and these are things, as you said, we, we've seen in the animated series, and people who've watched the animated series suddenly feel like they've invested their time well because now they're mm-hmm. seeing the fruits of that come to the big screen. Mm. Um, but yeah, a great moment. Also a great moment uh, when they're on Tatooine going across the desert on their speeders and they stop and suddenly the sand people are there. Yeah, that's right. Um, but rather than sort of, you know, Obi-Wan saving the day this time, instead Mando starts talking in sign language to them yeah, and throws right. them the binoculars. Yeah, yeah. Great scene. <clears throat> so well, while we're on Tatooine, so mysterious figure that appears at the end? Yeah, so, end uh, you know, there's, and you actually told me about this, there is, if, you, if, if the listeners out there want to go watch Empire Strikes Back and listen very, very carefully to when Boba Fett is walking along uh, Cloud City and listen to the sound of his steps, the sound is identical to the sound that that mysterious figure... Well, that's right, and, you know, for... Um, you could probably speak to this um, more than I can, but, you know, Boba Fett... Um, the last we saw him in, the, in, a, in a movie since, um, he fell into the, the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Um, but it's been talked about in, in many books, which are now legends, I believe. I'm Correct. not sure if any of them are um, part of the, the canon universe, actually got out of the Sarlacc pit. And so, and I think, again, this just speaks to the, there's so many great possibilities um, of things that are happening, both back in Return of the Jedi, both what's happening um, in The Force Awakens, that you can start bringing this in in the sense that we're going to start seeing the rise um, of the First Order, you've got the potential to start seeing characters like Snoke, even though Correct. you might never actually see them, just starting to see their... Just their hint Im- towards them. Yeah, just their influence on the universe, um, ex- which is exciting. And I think even... And I, I don't think they'd ever go down this path, but there's, you know, you can actually hint towards things like um, Luke and starting his um, Jedi school for kids who can't read good. Um yeah, that could be quite good. Yep. Uh, the the voicing um, for some of the characters who um, aren't represented by humans. So we have on the episode where where they're all on board that ship, and there's a Twi'lek, and there's Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. There's also um, a droid um, voiced by the guy from the IT crowd. 
I can't think of the guy's name there. Yes, I know who you mean, the guy with the curly hair. Um, Terrible that I can't remember his name, right? Oh, God, yes, but yes, yep. But a great comedy actor, and I just love that they're taking the opportunity whenever they have a droid character to really make the most of the voice. So we've seen Phoebe Waller-Bridge as L3. Um, you know, we've also seen with um, Alan, is it Alan Tudyk mm-hmm. in, as K2SO in Rogue One. So another, you know, if you're going to have a droid in there and have them play a part, get a good voice. I think too, what's, what I enjoy about it is even though they're using, you know, relatively big names, it's not obvious that they use like there's still a, a sort of droid component to it and I think with IG-11 they did a really good job of not making me feel like I'm listening to um, a New Zealander um, a voice of droid and yeah. it's, you know it still feels like exactly it's, it's right. in the context of a Star Wars universe exactly right yeah because that can really take you out of it when you hear a, a New Zealand accent come out like that that's right Richard Aodi I, I, I can't even pronounce right. I'm right. looking at it we, you know who I mean yeah um, any concerns for you from this series um, Anything you didn't like, or you think they could have done better? Or? Uh, look, I, I think my my I it's interesting because I actually feel like I sort of contradict myself a little bit here. Like I actually really enjoyed watching this week by week. It gave me something to really look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, great, another episode of Mandalorian. Um, I definitely think um, they were a little bit. It was it was a very open season, mm-hmm. and I think some of there was a, a mixed level of um, quality. I think you know, which I've already said around some of those secondary actors, um, but not enough to make me not enjoy it or not want to watch it. I think if anything, it gives me so much excitement for season two. I'm not sure how many episodes we're going to get in season two. It, yeah, it makes me very very excited for um, the Kenobi series. Once, yeah. once that gets um, sorted out, I know Agreed. there's a little bit of um, drama around when production's going to start on that, but I think it's really proven, I think, probably to I imagine the, the Disney execs and um, boardroom that actually this is a, a pretty um, huge universe, fans want it, it's mm. good publicity, um, You, I think the more you invest, the more, more you kind of get out of it, um, yep. so yeah, look, I'm... Yeah, I'm. I'm just really excited for what it what it puts on the on the table. I'd, I'd love to talk about some some season two potentials actually. Okay, we'll come on to that. For me, um, the Kenobi stuff, right? Yep. Um, that's really exciting. And a show about Kenobi, I'm, I'm fully in. As I said before, I wasn't sure if I said about Mandalorian. The, the only thing that came out of it for me that was a concern was this focus on um, Baby Yoda. And the reason it's a concern for me, as much as I've just said how much I love it, is I don't know how sustainable that is throughout the second season or any, anything beyond that, which we'll, which we'll come into. Um, but it's kind of like, at the same time, I don't know if I don't want that character to be in I've I got so used to seeing that character, I want to, that character to stay in the, in the show. So I, I think I, you know, I didn't realise how integral it was going to be to the plot, but every episode was all about someone trying to steal it or I think that's a good point because there there was definitely episodes for me where I felt like oh god you're going to protect baby Yoda like do something like look like look after him yeah. and then and I do remember feeling at one point like oh can you just leave him somewhere safe so we can actually do some stuff that's but right. I think that's what they dealt with really well in the um in episode eight is you know there's, there's big firefights and sort of showdowns and they kind of kept baby Yoda out of the yeah. out of the and then kind of just brought him in at key parts so he's he's a real integral part to the story yeah. but you're he's not kind of you're not consciously worried about um you know whether he's okay or whether he's a, he's 
he's important. I think in in the next season, there might be opportunities to kind of. I, I think he's 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 core to the Mandalorian now, um, but I think there'll be. I think they'll be thinking about opportunities for where they can inject him because. Okay. I, I think that they know that the the cute stick of baby Yoda the child probably does have a lifespan. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they'll want to use it carefully. That's right. Yeah. You don't want too many porgs. No, that's right. too much BB-8. That's it's right. the same thing with this. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I liked how he got to, to stay with the baby, with the babysitter in episode five where they got on Tatooine. That's right. You know, that was, that's kind of good. Um, so to, to sort of start wrapping up... Um, we're going to talk about season two thoughts, mm-hmm. um, but I think we need to just spend a little bit of time just quickly on the finale because episode eight was your favourite episode and it was a huge moment. Um, there's a big character here um, who you know we haven't talked about yet and, of course, that is Moff Gideon, um, played by Giancarlo Esposito, our favourite villain from the Breaking Bad universe. That's right. What are your thoughts on the final episode? Um, <clears throat> such... A powerful character, mm-hmm. I think. I think coming into this and into the whole whole Mandalorian, is I thought he was going to be more of a presence throughout. But I think it speaks to his charisma as an actor of how he could sort of he he is an awesome big bad for me. Yeah. And pulling out the dark saber at the end of the episode, amazing, amazing. And obviously, you know the. And I've heard people talk about, oh, what's this crappy-looking lightsaber? That's right. You know, that that's out there. The uneducated. <clears throat> these, these are people who, you know, for anyone who, who doesn't know, this, the Darksaber is something that we have enjoyed throughout the Clone Wars, throughout Rebels, and to see it on the big screen for the first time, for the fans, is this amazing moment, something that we all cherish. Well, not cherish, but we, we, we've, we've, we've come to love. And then for anyone who hasn't seen the series, suddenly seeing this... Thing that looks different to a lightsaber it's you know there's something for everyone there that's right and because it's an actual sword right it's not a um it's, it's not a lightsaber and so i think it i think to the to the uneducated it probably might have i've heard people refer to it as it look like a cheap lightsaber but mm-hmm. it's it's like i think it looks exactly how it's supposed to look and i i think again amazing um amazing flex and power move that he he kind of pulls this out at the end to get out of his his busted uh tie fighter and i think just the what really excites me even more is some of those connections to rebels that it might sort of bring yes, in yes that's what, how did he get the dark saber is the mando going to end up with the dark saber i feel like this this is all my season two thoughts. This is exactly what we're going into. These, so the history of this dark saber from from Clone Wars from from Pre Vizsla, Darth Maul had the dark saber for a That's while. Right. Um, for those of you who haven't watched the show, uh, Darth Maul comes back into the into the Clone Wars oh, Rebels spoiler. universe. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> don't listen to this podcast if you don't like spoilers, right? Yeah, that's right. Kane and Jerris, uh, one of the big characters in Rebels, and then of course the last time we saw it after Sabine Renard had it, it had gone to to Bo Katan, and so how has Gideon got it from from them? Um, you know how and how are those characters perhaps going to be coming into this show because we know that some of them survive from Rebels, so. <clears throat> well, that, and and that puts like a sends a shiver down my my spine. Hearing those names, hearing talk about all the possibilities, and even again, like we've just said, you could even just do like little side nods to some of these other characters, and how exciting it would be to kind That's of right. to see how it all comes together. Um, no, look, I thought, and, and what a great way to end um, 
episode I, I just uh, yeah. I thought like the right way to end it I think the that character is like the one other thing I'd, I'd like to say about it is I was wondering like you know at some point are we going to get um you know the child now is is the Mandalorian's responsibility are we going right. to get are we going to get some um some Mandalorian armor for the child are we going to um you know with a, a Mandalorian they get their their sigil in the yes. middle of their look at you with the trivia I I only uh, learned that yesterday. Are we going to get a little, uh, um, are we going to little baby Yoda head is going to be his, his sigil? That would be pretty nice tribute. It would be pretty nice. It might be a bit too cutesy, I think, for a Mandalorian. But I think, again, I think there's some there's some really cool things that, you know, we could even have a bit of a time jump, you know, potentially, in, in, which I think yeah. there's, there's too much to cover for us to, to have that. But it would be really awesome to you know, see at some point, like an older older baby Yoda as well. Okay, like, yeah. Like, give, give me teenage baby Yoda. That, that, yeah, it's an interesting point. I haven't thought about that. I think that would have to be a big time jump, the, the nature of the way that species seems to age. That's given, right. Given yeah, that, that's true, actually. That could be quite that's tough. But, and I also don't want a time jump because I'm really loving this moment. No, and I, I'm all, being a bit presumptuous. But um, there are some things within that time period which I hope get explored in, in season two. You've already touched on it with the whole, you know, the Snoke elements, we now know, of course, the Palpatine element potentially from Rise of Skywalker. Who you know? Who is the 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 real client behind the client? That's right. Who, who's wanting this this child? How do they know about it? You know, I think that that has to be explored. Who's behind um, Werner Herzog's character? Um, that's one of the things I want to explore. And we've already talked about it. The characters from Rebels, how that series ended at the end, yeah, that time jumps to the end of Return of the Jedi. Characters like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Who could show up in this in this this uh, this era potentially? Uh, characters like like Ezra, like Sabine, um, bring those big characters to life. We saw Ahsoka. Well, we didn't see her. We heard her. Sorry, in the Rise of Skywalker, as a Force Ghost, somewhere on the line, she obviously passes away. Does it happen in the Mandalorian? That's right. How do we bring that character? I'd love to see some of those things explored. And one of the reasons I, I feel like I'm being a bit of a fanboy, wanting all these things, and I feel like with the the John Favreau, Dave Filoni type production this is these are all possibilities because they've already shown so much willingness to to play to the fans and saying hey you guys love this stuff we're going to give you tattooing we're going to give you jowers we're going to we're going to give you um the, the, was it salacious crumb type, right. type yep. animal being cooked you know so much oh, yeah, so many great. nods yeah. Yeah. so many nods to the original trilogy which is of course what most people mm-hmm. whether you like the prequels or the sequels most people love the original right i actually think too just on that on that point of of directions they can go I think what's good about the the Mandalorian, like obviously they've got the child um, who's obviously um, force sensitive and can use the force. It'd be interesting to see how much they either lean into or stay away from too much Jedi stuff because mm. you know this is like will they keep it really sort of core to that this is more about the man the Mandalorian story. Yeah, or, um, and and that's why I think they they'll, they'll just be these little. Subtle moments which connect on these big characters we really care about. Yeah. And that's what's going to create the awesome conversation. And I hope they do steer away from that because I think we're going to get that potentially in the Obi-Wan series yeah, once right. that's made in 2050 or whenever it is, you know. Um, and I think this show, I don't need too much that beyond a Force-capable baby Yoda. Um, I think that's enough for me. Um, but, you know, one of the other things I, I, I've really enjoyed with this show, the music... Oh. Um, so different to anything we've ever heard before from John Williams or anything else, just a completely different score. 
even the I think you know the 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 music or the the the, the score at the, at the end of each episode and the what nature I, of the end credits and the nature like I love the um the art boards that they show you yeah. and like it's so cool to sort of see how uh, an artist's interpretation of a scene is actually sort of brought to life on the big screen and it's yeah. it's almost just as good watching those sometimes oh. as it is the with the exception of like Marvel movies I don't often unless I think I'm going to get some bloopers in a comedy I don't often sit through end credits mm. I, I I don't have time for it. Uh, but with the Mandalorian, I'm watching all the way to the end because yeah, it's just it's just really really interesting. So um, season two um, has just been announced for second of October, mm. twenty twenty, which isn't isn't that far away in the scheme of things. Um, it'll mm. be interesting to see how many. Is it still going to be eight episodes? Is it going to be a bit more? Um, yeah, good call because quite often a first season is sh- a shorter number of episodes and mm. then they launch into it. Um, I love Star Wars. But I don't know if I want to have 26 episodes. That's right. Like a Star Trek series. That's right. I'm happy with that Star Trek. With Star Wars, I think there's something about keeping it into a small number and really paying a lot of special attention to each episode and really going to, to turn it on. And, and, and uh, you know, I think I, I don't think it'll go over 8 to 10 episodes per season mm. purely because I think there, there's always a budget and I think mm. you've got to be able to spread that budget evenly across, you know, different episodes and I think just because of the nature of the show, the level of um, real-life effects, puppetry, CGI, yep. like, there's a lot to consider. And so if they're going to sort of be looking to do, I don't know how many seasons, five or six seasons of the show, they're going to have to sort of... Like, that's, a t- that's a tight schedule to have to work to them if you're going to sort of come out every year. Agreed. And um, you know, on the subject of budget, it's interesting because... I wonder how many people like me have subscribed to Disney Plus purely for this show. And if it wasn't the fact I had kids who want to watch some of the Disney movies, mm. I may have unsubscribed by now. So mm. um, you know, how much budget can they realistically put into this for the return they're getting, I wonder. And I think this is, this is where they're, I guess they've been smart about it, right? So um, I know a lot of people have signed up for the, the one-year Disney Plus subscription. Um, and I think just as that one year is actually going to be coming around for the renewal, um, you've got season two of The Mandalorian, so so people, and not to mention all the other things coming up on Disney+, Plus. there's a whole bunch of Marvel um, movies and things, which, yep. and TV shows which are coming, so I think um, though that content isn't there over the next six months, I think um, in eight months from now, there's going to be a lot of um, new hooks for people to, mm. to, to stay connected. And, you know, whatever they do, I hope they follow the same pattern of how they've done season one, Principally, I like the fact they kept so many things secret. So oh, we, yeah. had, we had no idea about this whole Baby Yoda mm. thing, you know, and that was, that was great. Because sometimes trailers, and I love trailers, and I know you do, but they give away so much. I, and definitely, and, and you know, I've said it before, but if there's something I really enjoy, I actually like to avoid the trailer. Yeah. Um, and I almost think I might try to avoid the, the trailer for Mandalorian Season 2. I probably won't. You're dropping this on me now. Um, but I... I, li- I because I, I think that's the thing with season one is I kind of I knew what bits were in the trailer we hadn't seen yet and it kind of stitched together a bit of a story for me and I, I like the idea of coming up. Look, up, let's be honest, I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to want to be able to talk about it on this I'm um, force you. on this podcast. Like it's, it's our core business. I'm going to have to do it. but um, Core business. Core business. That's right. Core business. Let's just hope that, as I say, that they keep things secret, that the production values stay the same, the flavour stays the same. I mean, the... the the editing, the special effects, the music, everything is a, is a great, you know, it's such a great mix. And people, it's the people involved that gives me the faith, the Dave Filoni's who knows the fans. That's right. Who's delivered so well with Clone Wars and Rebels. John Favreau, who's really, just for me, come 
out of nowhere over the last few years with some of these great movies he's directing. I mean, we've he's been in the Star Wars universe before. He was a previously in the Clone Wars. That's right. And of course, he was Rio Durant, the the what was it, the six legged thing in Solo. Mm. Um, and now he, I I feel like he's someone who could take the reins at at Lucasfilm um, and really steer you know the next trilogy and all sorts of things. That these guys really they get this they get the franchise they get the fans and they're delivering um, for me uh, a quality show. Mm-hmm. I think it's a if if you're looking for something to watch um, between now it's not going to take you this long to watch it but if you're looking for more Star Wars content to get excited mm-hmm. in the lead up to um, the Mandalorian season two and you haven't watched it I think you should be watching Star Wars Rebels yeah. because you know that's basically set in the same time period correct um, and it's going to give you a flavour of things. Yeah. I'm not what to expect, but it'll give you a, a deeper look into that universe. Exactly so. right. And it's all there sitting on, on Disney Plus. Disney Plus, there for the taking. So, look, I think from us it's a, it's a highly recommended, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Even if you're not, I think there's probably something in there for you. Yeah. Um, I actually could imagine, you know, my, my dad's not a, a Star Wars fan, but I imagine to your first point um, around sort of the Western nature, like he'd probably quite enjoy it. Agreed. Because it does have enough sort of... Um, I think, again, I've said hooks way too many times in this podcast. But you're right, though. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. It's just a show about a guy it's set in who's space. out there. Yeah, that's and right. it doesn't matter that there was this universe of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader out that's there. That's right. That's right. So um, <clears throat> that probably brings us to, to the end of our Mandalorian conversation. Tell me, what is the future of Half Measures, on, Half Measures Online? I hear there's something going on. Look, there's a lot happening back in, in, the, in the back office of Half Measures. Um, How many staff do you have? Hundreds. That's what I thought. Hundreds. So we've got a, a small team of Jawas um, working away on a... We've, nice. got a, a... we've got a new website launching, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Um, link to that. Obviously, we've already got our, our Twitter account, uh, our Instagram. Um, but we're going to start, basically, we'll obviously uh, try and get this podcast happening on a, on a fortnightly basis. Um, we'll use the, the website as a bit of a landing space Um for capturing those episodes. Obviously, you can get this podcast where where you subscribe to all good podcasts, whether it be Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, whatever, whatever's your jam. Nice. We're there. Um, and, you know, also on the webs- on, on our website, what we're going to try and do is put out a bit more, um, I guess, content for you guys. So whether it be trailers, a bit of um, news, things that happen in between us um, coming together each fortnight, because often when we do come together, we are talking about quite a specific focus. That's right. But I think if, if any of any of our listeners out there do have a... <laughs> look, we're going to be inundated. Um, any, you know, TV shows, movies, upcoming th- that you'd like us to talk about, even show recommendations, we'd love to hear it. So um, yeah. be sure to reach out to us on one of the channels. Yeah, we're there on Twitter, we're there on Instagram. I hear we're even on Facebook. So, you know, you can leave a comment anywhere. The Book of Faces, we're everywhere. I think we're, we're getting big. Okay. We're getting big. Um, we still haven't had the phone call from um, Disney, Lucasfilm or Kathleen Kennedy about our um, director's cut of The Rise of Skywalker. Mm. But, look... Did you give the right number? I, I don't know. I can't trust... Okay, I'm going to review the number you gave because I'm, I'm surprised that call hasn't come through. It's hard to get good help these days. But, yeah, look, Kathleen Kennedy, if you're out there... We only hope. Nice. <laughs> Thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Have Measures, and we will be back in two weeks' time. Keep it real.